Welcome everybody that's watching online as well, wherever you're watching from. Thank you so much for clicking in and uh, tuning in on this video. Help us share this message. Do what you can to help us share it. Church family, if you have your Bible or even if you don't, can you just stand to your feet this Wednesday evening as we open up God's word and read it tonight? Y'all, I brought my physical Bible tonight. Yeah. This thing is uh, my Jesus Bible, and I want to get in the habit, because while Pastor Bobby's preaching, I usually have my, you know, I'm not trying to boast or anything, but whenever Pastor Bobby's preaching, I usually have, like, my Bible and my notebook, and I'm sitting right there taking notes. There's just something different about having a physical Bible, like something tangible in your hands and just having, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, I'm all for it. You know, I have my iPad I usually preach from, uh, but I want to encourage you guys to bring your Bible to church. Uh, there's just something that just feels different as we do it, and I think it's important for us to be intentional when it comes to building a culture where we value and we honor and we have reverence for the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? So if you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, or you can turn your attention to the screen. And we're going to be looking at verse 17 through 29. Verse 17 through 29. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a second, say, hold up. I heard one hold up. I don't know what that was. Let's go ahead and read it, church. It says this. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it becomes or comes rigid. He becomes rigid. It says when it sees him, it it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes the teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive him out, to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, talking to his disciples, how many people know, probably wasn't the best or easiest gig being a disciple of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, he scolded them sometimes, just told them and corrected them. He said, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, I, how, long I, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought, they brought him, they brought the boy to Jesus, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at his mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love this. Jesus replies by saying this. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And then Jesus says, it says this, after Jesus says that, it says the man says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Do you know as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, that you have authority living on the inside of you? And there's some things in your life that you can speak to and say, get out of here, shut the door and never come back. I'm not going to tolerate you in my life anymore. And it says the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse, and we're almost done, that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive him out? Jesus replied, 
this kind can only come out by prayer. I love what other translations say, like King James says, by prayer and fasting. You can go ahead and be seated, church. Thank you for standing in respect of God's word. If there's one thing I want you to remember, one verse I want you guys to remember from what we just read, it's verse 24. Go ahead and put it up on the screen. And before we read this together, verse 24, I want you to understand something. That for this father, he has a demon-possessed son who he brought to the disciples of Jesus who are known for casting out evil and impure spirits. And yet the disciples couldn't cast out the spirit that this boy had that was influencing him. So Jesus comes into the scene, and this spirit sees Jesus, and it says that he falls to the ground. He begins foaming to the mouth. I want you to visualize it. He's gnashing his teeth. He's rolling around. I'm sure he's shrieking. He's making loud sounds. And during that time, Jesus is having a conversation with the father. And he asks the father, how long has he been like this? And the father says, he's been like this since childhood. And you can almost hear the desperation within the verses that we read. Because he says, he's been like this since childhood. This spirit has been trying to kill him and take him out. It's been throwing him to the water. It's been throwing him into the fire. It's been trying to take him out time and time again. And he says, if you can do something, Jesus, have pity on us, do something. And Jesus says, if I can, anything's possible for those who believe. And then the man responds by saying this. The man responds by saying this. I do believe. Go back to verse 24. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief belief. I don't know about you, but I love that verse. I think that's a great verse. Like, I've never seen that verse knitted or framed up in a house. I've never seen that verse on an Instagram post or tweet. I've never, I've seen a lot of bumper stickers, but I've never seen a bumper sticker with a car where somebody said, I do believe, help my unbelief. But if we're being honest, whenever we read that, I feel like many of us can relate to how this man is feeling. Maybe you're not in the same circumstance or experience that that man is in, but we, I believe that we've had moments in our life where we say, I believe, but then I do have a sense of unbelief as well. Did you know it's possible to have belief and unbelief at the same time? And unbelief, that word can actually, it's synonymous with the word doubt. See, what do you do whenever you feel or experience doubt. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down the message title for tonight. It's this, when in doubt. When in doubt. Who was here last Wednesday? Anybody hear Pastor CJ's word on fear, creating a filter for your fear? That was an incredible word, right? Really good message. I encourage you to go check it out. Tonight, I want to talk about doubt. And they do have some similarities, but they also have some major differences as well. And we have to talk about doubt. In fact, here's a definition for doubt that I want to give you guys. The doubt definition, it says doubt is a feeling of not knowing what to believe or what to do, or the condition of being uncertain, or it's an uncertainty about something or someone, or even having, where did that come from? (laughs) Dad, were you having mints this past Sunday? Okay. (laughs) Where was I at? Or it's an uncertainty about something or someone, 
or having difficulty believing in something or someone. Can I say this real quick? We all have doubts. Or we've all had doubts in one way or another throughout life. Or maybe you have some doubts right now. Maybe like the Father, maybe you, you try to do everything that you can do and you're trying to do everything right, but it seems like nothing is working out and you have a sense of doubt. Maybe you're looking at other people and it seems like God is answering the prayers of other people, but whenever it comes to yourself, whenever it comes to, you know, you asking or requesting things from God, you're, you, it seems like God is being unresponsive towards you. Maybe you know that God is a healer, that God can heal and restore things, and maybe right now you're going to the doctor and it seems like the diagnosis or prognosis is still the same, or maybe you have a loved one who was ill and yet they haven't recovered yet. Maybe it seems like your marriage is falling apart, or maybe it fell apart in the past, or maybe you had a marriage in the past that tanked. What do you do when you have all these questions, you're experiencing trials, troubles, tribulations, and you have a feeling of doubt, and you're trying to find out the answer to questions, but it seems like you can't give any answer. Or maybe it seems you're thinking about the worst things that could ever happen, you know, that, that, could, that could be possible of happening, and those things are starting to take place, and yet, and then you're left with a feeling of doubt. Maybe you've had a moment or a season where you've had doubt in God and doubt in his goodness. And if I'm being honest, being someone who hasn't pastored too long, I've been presented with problems and experiences and people coming up to me and sharing the difficulties that they faced. And sometimes they demand there to be answers to the trials and troubles that they're facing. They want to, they're trying to do everything right, and yet it seems like nothing's really prevailing, and, and they're left with a feeling of doubt. And if I'm being honest, I don't always have the answer for people. And I could wing it and say things like Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, God works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I believe that. But what do you do whenever things seem to say otherwise? I'm just being real tonight. Is it cool? We're a real church this Wednesday evening. What do you do when it seems like things are saying otherwise? And this is what I've learned. Many people aren't looking for explanations. They're looking for empathy. In other words, many times whenever you're surrounded by family or friends or other people, even strangers, that are going through trials, troubles, and difficulties, and they're going through certain things, and they're sharing their heart with you, and they're trying to explain what's going on, many times I think that we try to connect the dots, we try to figure things out, and try to explain things, and jump to conclusions, and try to tell them the cause and the effect of everything that's taking place, and we try to give explanations, but then we lack empathy. But I came to tell you, it's okay not to have all the answers to all the questions, and know the ends from the beginning. Sometimes it's just a enough to be present and be compassionate and be there and say, hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. God loves you. Guess what? I'm here. I'm not trying to give all the explanations. Sometimes you just need to be empathetic. See, we all have doubts. We've all experienced things that may cause us to doubt sometimes. The man said, I believe. Help my unbelief. So what do we do when we doubt? First, let me give you a point that will encourage you. Just because you're experiencing doubt in life does not mean that you don't have faith. Just because you're experiencing doubt, maybe right now in an area, does not mean that you don't have faith. The man said, 
I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. So it's possible, church, to have faith and a degree of doubt at the same time. And here's the key. If you're struggling with doubt and you're struggling with faith, go with the faith, don't go with the doubt. In other words, doubt the doubts, but believe in your beliefs. If you have 51% faith in something that you're believing for, and then you have 49% doubt, go with the faith, don't go with the doubt. See, because whatever you feed will thrive, but whatever you starve will die. We may have degrees and different levels of doubt in our life for certain things, but we have to put our faith in Jesus. We have to trust in him. We have to be people of faith. See, the Bible continually mentions and talks about godly people who struggled with faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the faith chapter or the heroes of faith, or sometimes even the hall of faith. And I'm kind of thankful that I see some of those people listed in Hebrews chapter 11 because it kind of gives me a little hope. Because I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't skim or go around the problems and the failures and the issues that humanity faces, but it's real, it's raw, it's transparent. We see people fail, we see people get back up time and time again in the Bible. See, though a righteous man fall down, he, he will rise again, whether he falls down seven times. See, and here's the hall of faith. Get this. I want to read this out. The hall of faith. These are known as people who are called heroes of the faith. We're talking about faith and doubt. And yet many of them wrestled with doubt. Let's talk about Abraham real quick. Abraham, where, where, where shall we begin? Abraham, he's known, get this, he's called the father of the faithful. And yet whenever him, whenever he was in Egypt with his wife, Sarah, he had he had doubt and he had fear, so much so that he told his wife, I want, you to not, I want you to pretend to be my sister, not my wife. Some of you men in here, if you told your wife that, you would just get, I'm telling you. He told his wife, you pretend to be my sister because I'm afraid since you're so beautiful that whenever the Egyptians find out that you're my wife, they're going to kill me and take you for themselves. And even let his wife get away from them and stay the night with somebody for a little bit. And then the, the, the rulers in Egypt begin to see all these problems and things take place and said, something's out of order. What's taking place? And they had an understanding that they were actually doing something to someone who was anointed. They were beginning to, uh, uh, beginning to take away and touch God's anointed. And God began to have ramifications for that. And they gave him back. See, and Abraham is known. He lied. He had doubt throughout his life, and yet he's known, he's called the father of the faithful. Even Sarah, let's talk about Sarah. You know, Sarah was told that even at her old age that she would give birth to a child. And that she, and guess what? She began to laugh in the face of an angelic host because of her doubt. Moses, God told Moses that Moses would be the one to bring his people out of Egypt and out of slavery and, God, and Moses responded to God by saying, God, do you know who I am? I'm not eloquent of speech. I can't talk well. I stutter. I can't do He told God. He had an encounter. And yet he doubted. And yet he's known as being in the hall of faith. King David, there was a time in David's life where he was on the run for his life. He had been betrayed. Things looked hopeless. And he found himself in a cave. And he wrote a psalm. In the cave, and the psalm went like this How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
Gideon. And I think God has a sarcastic humor. He has a sarcastic side of humor because it's pretty funny because we find Gideon in a cave or in a place. He's hunkered down and he's hiding and God shows up and he tells Gideon, Gideon, oh mighty man of valor. And he begins to talk to Gideon and Gideon begins to like debate and try to negotiate with God on why he shouldn't do what God told him to do. See, this is what I want you to get. Notice how each of these individuals had a season or seasons of serious doubt. But here's the thing they all had in common. They kept the faith and they kept pressing forward. And now they're known as the heroes of faith. See, get this. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to overcome doubt. Some of us think that we don't have faith because we have some doubt in some areas in our life. No, 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 that's not the case. You may have doubt in something that you're facing right now, whether for healing or a financial breakthrough or for, 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 for your marriage or for your family or for a loved one that is sick or whatever it may be, and you may have a little bit of doubt, but sometimes all it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed to see a mountain move, and you can trust and put your faith in that. See, faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the means to overcome doubt. We may have doubts and fears, but we should never let those outweigh our faith. We must let faith override and eradicate our doubt. Here's the second one. You get it. Faith doesn't mean that, I mean, doubt does not mean that you don't have faith. Here's the second one. I'm excited for this one. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. I need it for my throat. Go ahead and put this uh, second point on the screen. Bring your doubts to Jesus. When in doubt. What do you do when you're in doubt? Bring your doubts to Jesus. <laughs> Notice how Jesus didn't tell the man that he couldn't heal his son because he had an inkling or he had some doubt. No, Jesus still healed the man. See, the man, get this, he asked Jesus, he told him, I have some doubt. I have belief, but I have some doubt. I have some unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, having doubt doesn't mean that you can't have an audience with God. See, the problem is, the issue is, is whenever we keep the doubt to ourselves, we keep it internal and we never bring it to God. Some people don't think that they can't bring any type of doubt to Jesus, but I came to tell you, when you come to Jesus, you can bring your doubts and you can bring your questions to you. Let me prove it to you. There's a story in the Bible where, where Peter and the disciples are on a boat and there's a storm that's taking place and it's rocking the boat. And it says that while they're in there and the winds and the waves are coming, it says that they see a figure off in the distance and it was Jesus walking on the water and they begin to think that it was a ghost. And then Peter recognized that it was Jesus and he said, Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out into the water. And it says that Peter stepped out of the boat. He stepped on the water and he was walking on the water looking at Jesus, but it says that he lost focus, and he looked down, and he began to doubt, and he began to sink under the water, and it says that he called out to Jesus, and he, and he said, Lord, help me. And you know what Jesus did? Just because he had doubt, he didn't forsake him or leave him or let him drown. No, no, no. He came, and he reached him, and he grabbed his hand, and he said, oh, Peter, why do you doubt? 
Okay, let's talk about Doubting Thomas. Let's talk about Thomas, one of the 12. He's known as Doubting Thomas. Why? Because even after Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave once and for all, in order for me, me and you to have life and liberty and freedom and spend eternity with him and have a relationship with him, guess what happened? It says that Thomas would not believe, he, he, he refused and rejected to believe that Jesus actually rose from the grave because he saw and he, and he heard about everything that took place on the cross. And when the disciples came to Thomas and they said, Thomas, he rose. We've seen him. We've seen him. And you know what Thomas said? He said, no, I believe it whenever I see it. I believe it when I put my hand in his hands, when I put my hand in his side. And it says a week passed and the disciples locked themselves in this room. And while they were in this room, it says that Jesus walked through the door and he came in and he, he said, Thomas, come to me. Put your hand in my hands. Put your hand in my sides. Stop doubting and start believing. And you know what Jesus told him? He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe in me. Guess what? That's you. You may not understand it all. You may not have seen it all. You may not get it all, but I promise you, follow after Jesus because you are blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe in me. See, if you have any doubt, you need to bring it to Jesus. He can handle it because Jesus, get this, many of us want God to shape and mold and, and, and fix some things in our life, but God cannot mold what you're not willing to let him hold. I'm going to say that one more time. God cannot mold what you're not, what you're not willing to let him hold. And we're saying, we're having these doubts, we're having these questions, we're having these things, and guess what? We're keeping it to ourselves. We're not bringing it to him. See, your doubt won't stop you unless you keep it to yourself. You can come to Jesus with your doubts. Guess what? Jesus loves skeptics, agnostics, people that are searching and trying to find him. And I promise you, if you seek the Lord, you're, if you seek God with all your heart, guess what? You're, he, you're, he's going to reveal himself to you. You're going to find him. I'm pro you may not get the, all the questions answered, but I promise you, you can bring your doubts to him. Alicia, you can come up as we get ready to close here in a few minutes. Here's the third point. Number one, we learned doubt doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Number two, bring your doubts to Jesus. Here's the third point. I'm excited for this one. Don't let your doubts be dead ends. Don't let your doubts. Somebody say, don't let my doubts become my dead ends. In other words, doubt will not disqualify you unless you let it paralyze you. I'm going to say that one more time. Doubt will not disqualify you unless you let it paralyze you. And that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people have doubts. They experience certain things and they have doubts and, and they give up and they allow that to be a dead end and they stop praying. They stop coming to church. They stop believing in God sometimes. They have doubts sometimes and they let that be a dead end. And they often forget what God has done for them in the past. See, and that's why the Bible tells us and encourages us to press on and to pr push on and keep going, even when we don't understand what's going on. I'm going to be very transparent, like I said, because everybody has doubts. I'm going to be very transparent this Wednesday evening. I felt led to share this story. There was a time where me and my family almost gave up on ministry. We, we almost left Victoria. This happened years ago. 
I won't forget it. We had been hurt by so many people. We had been betrayed by so many people. We had been through so many different things. It, it felt like the church, and it, was, it felt like it was shrinking. Our passion was being lost, and it was getting harder and harder to love people. And it was a tough year, and we had a tough service, and this is what happened. After the service, me and my family stood out in the parking lot. We stood out in the parking lot, and we began to talk with one another and share a heart with one another. And we began to share in our, our, our degrees of doubts that we had. And we began to doubt to a certain degree whether we were still called to Victoria or not. And for me personally, I had felt like we failed, and I felt like it was almost time, it felt like it was time to move on. My family can attest to this. So what my dad did, we felt this doubt. We felt this uncertainty like we talked about. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't, we don't know what's going to take place. We're, we're trying to follow after Jesus. We're trying to do the right things. The Father, he, he tried to do everything right. He brought it to the disciples, and, and yet he still had some doubt. He had belief, but he had some unbelief as well. And I won't forget my dad called his pastor, Dr. Brassfield, and he told Dr. Brassfield, Dr. Brassfield, we're experiencing this. We're experiencing that. We don't know what to do. We have our doubts. And guess what? Dr. Brassfield flew from Arkansas. He flew to Victoria, and he sat down with our family. Family, and he began to listen to us. And guess what? He didn't try to give us explanations and try to connect the dots and try to tell us why what took place took place. You know what? And he even said it a couple times. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why God would allow you to go through those certain things, but I can tell you God is still good. He's still faithful. Because he was with us, Dr. Brassfield, at the beginning whenever we first planted and we started getting things going. See, the worst thing that you can do if you have doubt is surround yourself with people that will feed that doubt. But the best thing that you can do when you have a doubt is surround yourself with people of faith. So Dr. Brassfield, he began to speak over us and encourage us and, be, and speak faith. And he began to pray over us. And, and we felt faith arise. And you know what me and my family decided to do? Even though we felt this doubt, we would not let that be a dead end because we felt that God called us. So we prayed and we fasted and we sought the face of God and we kept pressing forward. And it wasn't too long after that that the church began to grow and there was excitement. And we began to see God open up doors. God blessed us with Property, and God blessed us with over $100,000 to purchase that property. And God gave us the word years beforehand that God would give us property on Salem Road. And I'm telling you right now, over the past couple years, this church has seen its best days that it's seen in such a long time, if not in its whole lifetime. And I'm believing, I speak by faith, that we haven't even seen anything yet, that God's going to begin to fill up every single service. He's already doing it. That God's going to build the church because unless God builds the house, those that labor labor, labor in vain. We're going to trust in Jesus. I just came to tell you this Wednesday evening, if you have any type of doubt in something and you have uncertainty, you have disbelief, don't say to yourself, I can't bring that to God. I can't go to God. I can't bring that to Jesus. No, guess what? You can bring that to Jesus. You can give it to him. He can hold it. He can transform it. He can give you faith. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. See, whenever you feed your faith, it will thrive. But whenever you starve your doubts, they will die. Doubt. Doubt is what hinders so many people. Having a doubt, they let doubt be dead ends. It's doubt that kills so many marriages. It's doubt that kills so many people's destiny. It's doubt 
that kills so many different things and it, and, and it kills them prematurely. There's a sense of doubt and it begins to take out things, but I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not gonna let my doubt, see, guess what, get this. Where you see dead ends, God sees new beginnings. <laughs> that's a word for somebody right here. I don't know who, it, that's a word for somebody. Where you see it, you see a dead in your marriage, guess what, God can see a new beginning. You see a dead in your job, guess what, God sees a new beginning. You see a dead end in your future, in your career, in your workplace, guess what, God sees a new beginning. God can open up doors. If God closed the doors, he can create a new door. He can create a new opportunity. Why? Because God is faithful. And all the people that we read on the screen, the hall of faith, they saw the goodness of God. And it did come to pass eventually, whether in their lifetime or the next lifetime or whatever. And if you follow after Jesus, even when the world seems unfair, guess what? God is still faithful. Come on, you can stand to your feet this Wednesday evening. Anybody receive this word? Tonight was different. I didn't try to include or incorporate other stories or things or whatever. I just felt like just speaking from my heart and speaking straight from the word of God this Wednesday evening and try to just convey with clarity, and I hope it helps somebody. Remember this, when it comes to doubt, doubt does not mean that you don't have faith. It does not mean that you don't have faith. Number two, bring your doubts to Jesus. And number three, don't let your doubts be dead ends. Remember that church. Can I pray over you guys this Wednesday evening? We'll pass to Pastor Bobby and whatever you feel led. Come on, let's pray this Wednesday evening. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice. I'm gonna pray over you and I'm gonna have you declare something in, in a second. Lord Jesus, I pray over every person, Lord, the doubters, the skeptics, the people that have questions, Lord. God, we may not know all the answers. God, we may never know all the answers, Lord. But I just thank you, Lord, for just faith being risen, God, and faith rising in every heart of every person in the building right now, Jesus. God, we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. I speak to every doubt, every negativity, every insecurity, Lord, every lie from Satan, every lie from hell that's telling our, the, your people to stop short and to give up and to throw in the towel because of doubt. I speak against those things, and I just declare it. I say, no, this is not the end. This is just the beginning, and you are faithful. You are good. God, you are good all the time, Lord, all the time. You are good, Lord. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I refuse to allow doubt to thrive. Tonight, I let faith override. I eliminate and eradicate all feelings of doubt. Give me the strength Give me the wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I believe that. Man, I believe that every, over every single one of you guys this Wednesday evening. Before I go, I want to give somebody an opportunity right now. Maybe somebody's watching online to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never taken that first step and say, I believe in Jesus or I repent of my sins. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can have a relationship with God. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to pray after me. Maybe there's one person you never know. There could be people watching online. I just want you to repeat after me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent for all of my sins. Forgive me. 
I forgive other people. I trust in you. I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord. I believe that you died. And I believe that you rose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. God bless y'all.